broaden our minds. Lawrence. From the Ancient One Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome to the Cube. (laughs) Well, hello everyone and welcome to episode 99, whoa, man, one away from 100, of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Brendan. Brendan, we have a, a mercifully short Battle Tome to review today. Relatively, Relatively, yes. yes. The Daughters of Cain Battle Tome for the third or fourth or <sighs> fifth time. Yeah. I think this is the third time we've done one of these for them. Yeah. It, I think so. Well, I mean, we did one a year ago. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Here we go again, man. I hope you guys like Daughters of Cain contents. <laughs> well, you know, in the summer when we do Lumineth for the third time... <laughs> Oh, my God. In three years. Uh, Evergreen content. It's great for podcasts. Yes. Always now is the time of Daughters of Cain Battle Tome reviews. Yep. We have that and basically just that. We've got episode 100 coming up, which is where we'll answer your questions within reason. So please make sure to send me things on Twitter at hobby underscore bear or email Dan at the... Cubic Shenanigans... At gmail.com. Yes. Yeah. Please try to get those in by June 27th. You can and ask about anything. Again, we'll decide if we're going to answer it if you decided to go out of bounds. <laughs> we will be the determiners of mm. what is and isn't. We will be the referees of yeah. content. I've submitted uh, several questions for Dan's social security number, <laughs> of which I have been unsuccessful in acquiring. And it doesn't have to be Warhammer Sigmar. It could be anything. Last time we did this in episode 50, got some really fun questions from people. So start sending them in and we will just pile them up and go through them. We love doing that with you guys i think we're going to share a few thoughts about the show how far we've come you've Mm -hmm. talked about that before and show in review yeah that's kind of the plan for episode 100 which will be about two weeks from now and we're going to talk about by the way come back for show close because with something we're going to talk about here shortly there is just a bunch of content like backloaded now and we're going to talk about what the plan is for the next four or five episodes so you'll want to probably listen in on yeah that. we've got like five ish shows planned out and that's <laughs> insane very unusual <laughs> we've had many times as you all know that we've gone uh, yeah, we'll figure it out <laughs> So this is a welcome relief from that for you and uh, for us. All right, man. Yep. Well, with that, let us move on to Whispers from the Warp. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. It is Brendan and Dan hobby time. What's going on, man? Not too, too much. I have just been kind of like putting colors on stuff here and there. Nothing really... Catching my attention is like a model or unit that I really want to dive into hard on. Um, so, you know, it's just, I'll sit down here and there. Like, I, I put some paint on uh, a Myra Brute Trog Boss. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Have that, you know, been just kind of building random Lumineth and Giant models and mm. Seraphon models and, okay. you know, just kind of whatever okay um, fighting the war against the gray yeah yeah well i've been adding more gray models so it's <laughs> kind of balance. 
But you have actually been painting things, unlike me. Yeah. You've been even repainting things. Yeah, so one of my projects that was kind of interesting was with the whole the Scarlet Doom, and we have the Quicksilver thing with the Herodons. Mm -hmm. I wanted to try to do something thematic. I think a lot of people are, so I wanted to Scarlet Doom my blade guys that I had already built. So I did some experimentation with some red stains and some effect type paints and stuff and came up with a color that looks pretty good on them. So I think I'm going to go with that. And I got 20 of those done. I also got another 10 blade guys painted up except for the basing and some dry brushing. They'll be done. I got my five crossbows finished. They may not see the table, but they are painted and they are ready to go if I do. And I also made some decent progress on my four banshees because I'm looking at stuff and, well, especially this this daughter's <laughs> book, there's some fun spells that you can throw at people. And yeah. I'd rather not be the victim of those if I can help it. So I've done all those things. And then after I get that stuff done, I've got 10 more blade geists that I have primed that I'm going to, once again, jump on those and get that done. Yeah, very busy because we're running short on time. we got about a month before our, for our events. Yeah. You have plenty of Nighthawk models, Dan. Yes. I'm, I'm not worried about your ability to field something effective. That's true. Yeah, that's my hobby. Previews. So Sunday, Sunday just a Sunday, massive Sunday. saturation bombing. Now, I part of me is a little disappointed that we weren't able to record on that Sunday. Yes. Sunday yeah, announcements. Because you, you would turn to me, Brendan, you know, what do we have for previews? And I go, uh. <laughs> so we got trees and rats and the GHB for this year all on the same day. Mm -hmm. And it's all going to be pre-ordered this weekend. By the time you're listening to this, by the time I get it edited and you listen to it, stuff will be ready for pre-order. Yeah, so on the streets on the 25th of June. Mm-hmm. Yep. Tomes, cards, dice. There's new models. There's Vanguard boxes for the daughters, the rats, the night haunt. We saw some of that stuff. There is just plenty for Sigmar. But the big thing is that those three items dropped all at the same time. Yep. All good, man. Nothing wrong with any of that. And then just as a reminder, for those who pre-ordered heresy stuff, that stuff should be hitting the stores this Saturday as well, because that's the two-week. Very excited. Yeah, that'll be really cool to see what we get. I've been watching a lot of <laughs> like previews for it. Yes, very cool. Yep. I just want to put Angron in a tank <laughs> with his Terminators. Angron, yeah. And push him up the table and go, meh. <laughs> Good luck. Bump, bump, bump. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hammer to the head, man. Hammers. <laughs> chain axes. Hammers with chain axes. Or yeah, chain, chain axes, axes. With hammers. There's some Necromunda stuff that was coming out. The squats, if you're into such fun things, they have those out. There's some more. It's all outside stuff. You know, the wilderness stuff now. Mm. The wastelands and stuff. Some big stuff on the 40K side. There's a Warzone Nephilim is coming out. I believe there's a Necron on the cover. They've been talking about some major changes to command points. I think they normally you started with 12, and now they're saying you're going to start with 6. Ooh. Big, big changes. And there's big changes with secondaries. Like you have more determination of what your secondaries are, that kind of thing. If you're 40K player, obviously this is going to be some sea change in, in the way the game plays. That's what's come out. That's enough. <laughs> For sure, especially on the Sigmar side. Games played. Civ Beyond Earth. I finished up my massive thing where I was against seven AIs. It took 
a long time, but I got through it. So. Well, thankfully, you have lots of time. Yes, and it's always fun to see them fighting each other, and it's like that gives me more time when they're not fighting me. I just like I don't want to start a war yet with anybody. If I have to, I will. But that was cool. And then that's going to end because Starship Troopers Terran Command just came out today. And I played a couple of those scenarios. If you like Starship Troopers as a movie, if you had fun with that, you will like this game. It's very true to the movie. You know, you have the federal network that comes up on the thing and they're like, would you like to know more? And you could press a button that actually tells you more about <laughs> stuff. So it's all very thematic that way. And so those two things, when I haven't been hobbying, so it's not been a whole lot. That's what I've been doing. Brendan, how about you for other gamer games? Not too much. Just some like random bits of Skyrim where mm. I'll just be like, I don't really want to do anything for the next hour. So I'm just going to fire my game up. I'm going to go wander around for a little bit. I'll maybe like go clear out like a cave or something. Uh, I'll do some forging of, you know, armor and stuff like that because, you know, you got to get your smithing up to level 100 as soon as you can. So that way you can roam around and, you know, just kind of without too much worry of, of what you're going to come across because at least in that case, you're going to be able to take the damage and then right. if things are looking real bad, you could just get out. Yeah, so that and playing some Magic the Gathering arena on my phone. Yeah. But, okay. You know, it's just killing time stuff. It's not like I'm in a game right now. Okay. Got to finish up Wasteland 3 here at some point, though. Yeah, you hadn't talked about that in a while. That's why I was wondering. No, it's been sitting out there. That's right, but it's there. Mm -hmm. All good. Any Sigmar stuff for you? So, obviously, I've been playing some practice games leading up to ATC, but the handbook's going to be legal, so (laughs) that all went out the window. Yeah. But I played a game on the Dias cast last week. Oh, nice. You know, one of the recorded ones. I was playing some Cruel Boys versus Nick Stormcast. Yeah, yeah. So, go check out their channel and go see that. You know, Dan, you got to actually get on the show some point whenever they invite me yeah that'd be great All so right. guys whenever you want to nick justin <laughs> invite dan on the show <laughs> whenever i'm uh, that would be crazy awesome there's a lot of things to figure out in that night haunt book yeah. That is for sure. And there's a lot of really cool options, too. That's what I love about it. It isn't all just Scarlet Doom. There is other things in there, and it, it's very cool. Nice. Events. There really aren't any major changes since the last episode. We got ATC, Midwest Makeup, NashCon, Siege World, Nova Open. We talked about those. I signed up for Dragonfall, which yep. is cool. We're both Sign-ups signed up. Signups are live. Right? Yes. Signups are live. There's like 20 tickets at time of recording. Yep. So yep. get so yours get on today. Get on that, man. And RockCon two weeks after that. And then have you... No. You haven't heard back. You yeah. haven't settled this with This is your a buddies. very frustrating process that I'm not used to. Normally, okay. they're very responsive. And yes. It's not been an issue. And I've been trying to figure out what I'm doing wrong. Okay. So we'll, we'll keep asking. As what you happens. should. See what happens with that. Tentatively, November. When? I hope. <laughs> sure. I'm trying. I promise I'm trying. Uh, that's cool. All right. Yeah. yeah that's it for Show. Whispers, man. I don't think there's any other events, are there, that we haven't listed here? I mean, um, major I stuff. heard stuff about the Michigan GT recently. I don't have the days on me. But oh, right. I saw I, the announcement. I think that's late September, if I remember correctly. Okay. And then Renegade is in November, and Havoc is the same weekend as Dragonfall. Oh, okay. Yep. I had to make a choice there. So, mm-hmm. yep. I'm going to pop into Dragonfall because it's close. I can drive down Saturday morning and come home Sunday night, so that'll be easy. Very easy weekend. All right. Meat of the show, Emperor Lies. Yeah. Ready? Ready? Go. Okay. (laughs) I mean, what are we, a team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're 
We're a time bomb. Brendan, it's time to talk about Girls with Knives. We're going to talk about Daughters of Cain. Oh, I thought that sentence was going somewhere else. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was like, oh. Oh, man. Yeah. Daughters of Cain. Awesomeness. Battle tome. Yeah. Again. This was your first tournament army. It was. Yeah. Yeah. So now if you had your army still, we'd be like, oh, Daniel, which one are you going to play? But your army's at my house now. So, yes. Uh, <laughs> it has a new home. Yes, it does. I still love this army. It's really cool. And when I saw the book come out, it's like, yeah, it's great. We get to talk about them again. All kinds of fun stuff. So as usual, what we're going to do is we'll talk, just give our initial thoughts and stuff. Allegiance abilities, heroes. We'll come back and do uh, enhancements and temples. We'll do units. And then all the miscellaneous other stuff to try to wrap this thing up. Do you have any initial thoughts of things you've seen or how this laid out or length or changes any general comments book is still good the thing that you saw in a lot of 3.0 items is lack of re-rolls but you know now it's just moved to modifiers Mm -hmm. which creates some very efficient units in this book now from a mathematical perspective you were likely to end up in the same place Mm -hmm. you know when you factor in the re-rolls versus the net end result versus what the actual modifier looks like pretty good it's super glass cannony it does a ton of damage, but they can't take a swing back. Fine. They're almost all five up. Almost all, except for the big stuff. Right. They've got their six up ward, which is cool. They're no longer the damage tank that some previous editions of the book were. Mm-hmm. You're still going to see bow snakes. You're still going to see, you know, Marathi. The main thing that I think that is changing this is you're going to see hordes of witches and sisters sisters as a totally legitimate and serious way of playing this book. Yeah, and when you see those interactions, those synergies between the leadership and those two units, you're going to understand why that's going to happen. All good stuff. Great book to talk about. The first thing is we got six sub-factions or temples. That hasn't changed. They're really good. Yes. Then we got Battle Fury. So this is a heroic action you can take. So it's a heroic action. You mm-hmm. can take care of one friendly Daughters of Cain hero that's not a monster instead of picking one from the table in the core rules. If you do so, add two to the attack's characteristics of melee weapons used by that hero until the end of that turn. This hero action does not affect the weapons used by the hero's mount. Whatever. Yeah, there's plenty of walking around or running around, in their case, uh, heroes that can really smash. I just don't think you're going to really use that too often. Like, there are going to be niche situations where, like, I really need two extra attacks out of this. Mm-hmm. It's an option. It is an option, you know, because there are definitely some turns where you're like, I don't really need another command point. I don't need to heal. Uh, mm-hmm. Being a wizard doesn't make sense. So it's automatic, which is nice. Yeah, great. It's not a, you, not a command point or anything. You do pick up a new command ability, though, for mm-hmm. the army that mm-hmm. is quite good all-out slaughter you can use this command ability when a friendly daughters of cain unit is picked to fight in the combat phase so not at the start of the combat phase you can just pick which of these units you're going to use it on which is good very good then it means that your opponent can't just fight the one unit that is getting the buffs and you're just hoping to survive you're just going to use the unit that's going to do the most damage so it's exploding sixes basically Mm -hmm. on on hits unmodified Um, hit rolls of six scores two hits instead of one but the timing on it is what makes it really extra excellent like this would be quite good on its own given the volume of dice you're going to be rolling Mm -hmm. but the trigger time is yes excellent yep we have fanatical faith which is the six up ward for the army yep that hasn't changed and then the blood rights table blood rights yeah all so good stuff. The structure is the same as before. The difference is it's modifiers. So in battle round one, your army gets add one to run rolls for the units. 
In battle round two, you get headlong fury. You add one to charge rolls for this unit in addition to the previous turns. Right, so these are cumulative. Yep. You can take them all, yeah. Battle round three, you pick up Zealot's Rage, add one to hit rolls for attacks made with melee weapons. Round four, Slaughterer's Strength, add one to wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons. And round five, when you don't have very many units left, you pick up Unquenchable Fervor, you get a five-up ward. For your whole army, mm-hmm. yep. Good stuff. Considering how many of these units we're going to see that can run in charge. Oh, man. Yeah. It's just scary. It's quite good. A lot of the stuff that's meaningful is on 25 millimeter bases, so it means you're going to get lots and lots and lots of stuff into combat. You might as well just take the two-foot ruler and put it down on their units and say, huh, well, if it's within this, I'm... I'm in. Danger zone, danger zone. <laughs> oh my gosh. Crazy yeah. stuff. It's good. You know, I mean, it's no Night Haunt set of rules, but when you think about that you're going to be getting the plus one to hit in battle round three, and there's ways to kind of turn your round forward earlier, Yes. that's all-out attacks that you don't have to worry about spending. So those dice may be better equipped to all-out defense. Those command points might be better used to all-out slaughter. Those command points might be better used for inspiring presence, mm-hmm. rally. They're just command points you don't have to worry about. And there are a couple of things that hand out bonuses to wound. So if your opponent does have the rare wound to wound debuff, you're good to go. Right. Very solid. Very good. We'll talk about heroes then, yes? Yeah. And we're going to start with our girl Marathi. Marathi Kane, who's the walkabout. And then we're going to talk about the Shadow Queen, who's the giant snake thingy. Mm-hmm. So which one do you want to do? I'll talk about giant snake lady. Okay. So I'll talk about Marathi Kane. She moves six inches, six wounds, four up save, eight bravery. She's a wizard. She can attempt to cast three, unbind two. And she knows all of the spells from the lore of shadows, in addition to any other spells. She's a war master. If she's not picked to be the general, she's a general, essentially. Yep. If this unit is including your army, then the army must include Snake Lady Marathi. A commanding presence, subtract one from hit rolls for attacks to target this unit. That's any hit rolls. Yep. Shooting, swinging, whatever. The one soul, two body thing, this is kind of the opposite. These are all, it's like a mirror thing here. So. Yeah, you can't do any damage to Marathi Kane. You do all your damage to the Shadow Queen. <laughs> yes. This is unchanged. Yes. You can do at most. Three wounds or mortal wounds to the Shadow Queen every turn. Every player turn. Every turn, right. Caps out at three. Yep. So a total of six per battle round. Mm -hmm. That's it. So you can attack Marathi Kane all you want, but the wounds are going to go over to Snake Lady. So that's really what that's saying. All right. And obviously, if you kill um, the Shadow Queen... Marathi Kane is taken off the table as well. Yep. So, uh, Worship Through Bloodshed. You can use this command ability in your hero phase if this unit is part of your army and on the battlefield. The command can only be issued by this unit. And the unit that receives the command must be a friendly Daughters of Kane unit. That unit can shoot, or if it's within three inches of any enemy, it can fight. Fight or shoot in the hero phase. Beautiful. The Black Horror of Ulgu with this spell. Oh, I hate this spell. <laughs> uh, as, as a victim, I hate this spell. It's a casting value of 7, a range of 36, which is insane. That is so good. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range, invisible to the caster. Roll a die on a 1, 1 mortal wound, 2, 3, D3. On a 4 or better, the unit suffers D6 mortals. That's just really good. Yeah, with no bonuses to cast anymore on this scroll, you know, yeah. it becomes a little bit tougher. Yep, but she does have three casts, so it's definitely worth thinking about considering what kind of damage you can do cumulatively as well. Now, Marathi Kane's a hero that 
may be one of the ones that you want to use for that heroic action for mm-hmm. plus two attacks on your weapon profiles. Yeah, because she's got Heart Render, mm-hmm. which is the three... Att- these are all two-inch range. These are both two-inch range. So three attacks, three by threes, minus two, D3 damage. And then you have the Bladed Wings, six attacks, three by threes, minus one, one damage. You would go from nine to 13 attacks is what that would be, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, all day. They're decent. They're reliable. Yeah. You'll get some good mileage out of it. Mm-hmm. But so the Shadow Queen, who can't get that heroic action, unfortunately, because she's a monster. But, I mean, you'd want to use it if you could. Oh, oh, yeah. Movement tables from 14 down to 8. 12 wounds, 4-up save, bravery 10. She has the Gaze of the Shadow Queen, which is 18-inch range, 1 attack, 2s by 2s, rend 3, damage d6. Heart Render, which is 2-inch range, 8 attacks down to 5. 3s by 3s, rend 2, damage (laughs) 3. Ouch. As always, the guessing game coming in was, what's the Rend Heart Render is going to have? Yes. So it's Rend 2. She's the Crown of Serpents, which is 1-inch range, 2d6 attacks, 3s by 3s, no Rend damage 1. And her Envenom Tail, which is 3-inch range, 1 attack, 3s by 3s, Rend 2, damage 6, down to 3. She can fly. If you have her, you have to have Marathi Kane. Fury of the Shadow Queen. While this unit's within 3 inches of any enemy units, add 1 to the attacks characteristics of melee weapons used by Kenarai or Melusai units. Holy within 18 inches. Two bodies, one soul, which is the... You die, I die. Yeah. And the Iron Heart of Cain, which tells you that you can have no more than three wounds or mortal wounds allocated to this unit in the same turn. Not counting any wounds that were negated. Any further wounds and mortal wounds would be allocated to this unit are negated. You can't heal with the Shadow Queen, which Correct. is quite good because mm-hmm. otherwise it would be basically impossible to remove this model. Yes. Just like the scroll update that we saw... In Broken Realms, there's no like weird boundary period where like between turns you can do unlimited damage. Start a battle round stuff does damage for the battle round that's headed in, and then end of the battle round stuff is the round that's you know going out. Okay, so it's a maximum of six per battle round. Yep. No matter how you try three, to... three per turn. That's it. Yep. No more. Done. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do the Blood Rack Shrine, or do you want to do one of the cauldrons? I'll do the Blood Rack Shrine. Okay. The Blood Rack Shrine, one of your heroes on Shrine, is pretty beefy. Yeah. One of those things where they change a little bit and just enough to really throw you off, but <laughs> Blood Rack Shrine, still pretty all right. Yes. Movement 6 down to movement 3, 5 up save, bravery 8, 13 wounds. You've got the Blood Rack Stair, which is range 12 inches. And has an ability where you do not use the attack sequence for attacks made with the Bloodrack Stare. Instead, roll a number of dice equal to the number of models in the target unit that are within range of the attack. For each five up, the target unit suffers one mortal wound. Decent. Got their Bloodrack Spear, two inch range, three attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage d3. The Goad Staves, which is two inch range, six attacks down to three. Threes by threes, no rend, damage one. Whisper Claw, which is one inch range, four attacks, threes by threes, no rend, damage one. And the Tail of Serpents, two inch range, d6 attacks, fours by fours, no rend, damage one. Not a character that you're going to be throwing into combat for the doing of damage. This is a character that, you know, just kind of does area of effect support kind of items. They are a wizard with the one cast, two unbind. And the Shrine Keepers are their companions. You have the Aura of Agony. At the start of your hero phase, you can roll one dice for each enemy unit within seven inches of this unit. If the roll is equal to or greater than the Aura of Agony value, which starts at a two and tables down to a five, 
The unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. The same unit cannot be affected by this ability more than once per turn. So no running like five of them. And, um, <laughs> five D3 mortals. Right. <laughs> After this unit makes a charge move, impact hits on a two up. They take D3 mortal wounds. Sure. All right. Malusai Kin. At the start of your combat phase, yeah. you can pick one friendly Malusai unit wholly within 12 wow. inches of this unit. Add one to the number of the current battle round when determining the abilities gained by that unit from the blood rights table. Till the end of that phase, this ability and other similar abilities are cumulative. Pretty good. Hey, it's turn two already. Oh, wait a minute. There's another one. It's turn three. The I, I like that it's limited to the combat phase. So you're not going to get super mega buffs out of phase for, you know, anything else. You have the Enfeebling Foe, which is their known spell. Casting value of a five, range of 18. Pick an enemy unit within range, invisible to the caster. Subtract one from wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by that unit until your next hero phase. Banshees. <laughs> this is one of the reasons I'm painting those suckers. Sure. Okay. Let's talk about... This is all snakes now, yeah? We got snakes for a little while. First up, yeah. snakes. Yep. So we have the Malusai Iron Scale. Eight Combat is- foot hero. Oh, yeah. Nice one, too. Six wounds, five up save, nine bravery. We've got... Kelza's, whatever it is, <laughs> missile weapons is 18 inch range, three attacks, three by threes, minus one, one. And then we got the same thing, whatever the K word K- is. Keldra safe. Yeah, it, That's my guess. That works. Yeah. I'm going with that. K staff. <laughs> that, that works even better. Yeah. Two inch range, three attacks, three by threes, minus one, D3 damage. Okay. All good. Blood of the Oracle. Each time this unit is affected by a spell or the abilities of an endless spell, you roll a dice on a five up. All good. So it's got a five up ward against spells. Very nice. Yeah. If any enemy units, this is the next one, Gory Offering. Enemy models. Sorry. If any enemy models are slain by wounds caused by this unit's attacks in the combat phase, add one to the attacks characteristic of friendly Malusai units wholly within 12 inches. Ouch. So... I'll do something that I told Dan I didn't want to talk about. So previewing for the General's Handbook 2023, there's a command ability where there's a potential opportunity to force a unit to strike last. Something like this, if you manage to get that off, you can really turbocharge a couple of units Ugh. without fear of reprisal. Because that's always the trade-off you know, that mm-hmm. always makes me nervous about heroes like this, that they have to do something. And then the unit that you want to do something with is going to have to endure some sort of reprisal. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Who's to say? <laughs> and then we have turn to crystal. At the end of the combat phase, you can pick one enemy unit within one inch. On a two-up, that unit suffers one mortal. Okay. And then wrath of the scathborn. You can use this command ability in your charge phase if this unit is part of your army and on the battlefield. So anywhere, the command can only be issued by this unit, and the unit that receives it must be a friendly Malusai unit. This unit can attempt to charge even if it ran or shot. So you are giving run and charge or run and shoot to a unit is what you're doing here. Mm-hmm. I wonder who you would do that to. Hmm. I can't imagine. Yeah, could be anything. Could be anything, yeah. A Malusai unit that mm. wants to be in combat. Mm. Maybe we'll find one. Yeah, maybe. So next up is the Bloodrack Medusa on foot. This model is basically is the same as what we just talked about, except mm-hmm. it's movement eight, six wounds, not on a throne, so it does not have the goad staves. No. But all of the other stuff is the same. Yes. One cast, two unbind. You give them a, your version of a Care Bear Stare. Mm-hmm. Malusai Kin get to upgrade their battle round and has Enfeebling Foe. It's the same. Yeah, there you go. So next up we have Morgwaith the Bloodied, which was the 
single most no-brainer unit to take in the Battle Tome the last time we talked about it. <laughs> yes. So Dan... This is the Underworld's Warband. Yes. Yep. And this was the Underworld's Warband where she was a hag queen... Yes. But was cheaper than Which a hag queen. Which makes no sense. And crazy. had a bodyguard that came with her. Thankfully, someone figured that out <laughs> and made her 75 points more than that's, a hag queen on foot. That's so much smarter. To which I am grateful. Yes. Still good. Yeah. Still good, though. Again, yes, the rare Underworld's War Band that you go, yeah. okay. Yeah, I could, I put in the points. I'd invest the points in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she is six-inch wound, five wounds, five up, eight bravery. She's got the witch brew, and that's going to be the same everywhere. At the start of your hero phase, you can pick one friendly Daughters of Cain unit holy within 12 of this unit to drink witch brew. Unit cannot do it more than once in the same hero phase. If you do, add once the number of the current battle round when determining the abilities gained by that unit from the blood rights table. Until... And- the end of that turn. Yes. And it is cumulative because we just talked about something that can add or make it so that you can add a turn. So you could add a turn and add another turn. Yep. It just can't be from the same location. Correct. Yep. You, know, you can't have two witch brews. The big change here is until the end of the turn, not mm-hmm. the battle round. So it's right. only effective on your turn. Correct. So this is a change that we've seen in the Night Haunt and the Daughters book now, where you have abilities that really only trigger in your, the player's turn. Yes. Which I think, maybe I'm reading too much into, maybe I'm not, but maybe reduces the rules burden during the course of the game. Okay. So. Uh, and then Touch of Death is a prayer, because she is a priest. One of the interesting things I was going to mention earlier was that this is one of those pretty rare battle tomes where you have wizards and priests in the same book. Most, you either have one or the other. Night Haunt, you only have wizards. I think of Corn; uh, they've got just priests. You know, So having both, very utilitarian, very useful. And this one is a prayer that has an answer value of three, so you roll one dice. On a three or greater, it has a range of three. If it's answered, pick one enemy unit within range, invisible to the caster. D3 mortals, boom. Good. Yeah. All right. Fine. I'll take it. Roll a dice, and hopefully you get D3. Yep. And then uh, we had the Blood Coven, right? Is yep. the next thing. So they're both Hagnar locked. So that means that you can take them in any of the temples, but they don't gain the benefits of the temple unless they are Hagnar. Okay. But yes, so the Blade Coven, all of them are two wounds, six inch move, six up save, bravery seven. The champion has a wounds characteristic of three. Snake with the Heartseeker bow, range 24 inches, three attacks. Don't worry, they're not all like that. Threes by threes, rend one, <laughs> damage one. And then Sacrificial Knives which are one inch range, four attacks, threes by fours, no rend damage one. The Heartseeker bow, hit rolls of six are a mortal wound and the attack sequence ends. And they are zealots of the first temple. Before you allocate a wound or a mortal wound to a friendly Morgwaith the Bodied, Bodyguard. you know, just any of those that you have lying around within three inches of this unit or instead of making a ward roll for a wound or, or mortal wound, this unit can take it on a two up instead. Yep. There you go. And there's four of these. They have two wounds apiece. Yep. So there's eight ablative wounds here. For uh, nine because of the champion. N- nine. Okay, got mm-hmm. it. Yep. So nine ablative wounds for Morgoth. Yeah. Yeah, still not bad. 185 points. 
So, Brendan, we're going to carry on. We get our first Cauldron of Blood. This is the one with the Hag Queen on it. And well, I mean, it's not really our first, you know, Hag Queen on Cauldron. No, like, but it's, I know the Cauldron of Blood is slightly different than yes. the, the Blood Rack Shrine, but yeah. they're basically the same. Yes, they are. Movement is six down to three. 13 wounds, five up, save eight bravery. We have the Torrent of Burning Blood, which is 10 inches. Six attacks, three by threes, minus one, one. Then we have the Avatar Sword. Avatar, Good. Let's just say Avatar. Avatar is much better. Avatars are active all the time now. Which is really nice. You don't have to futz around with all the prayers and that stuff. So it's two inch range, four attacks, three by threes, minus two, three damage. Again, wow. Nice. Solid. Blade of Cain, which is one inch, four attacks, three by threes, minus one D3. And then Sianza, which is some kind of a fancy sword, no doubt. (laughs) Uh, One inch range. It goes from eight to five attacks and then three by four, no rend, one damage. Okay. We have Altar of Cain, so add one to chanting rolls, which is great for priests that are holy within nine inches of this unit. Bladed impact, impact hits here. You have the blood shield, add one to save rolls. This is really good. Mm-hmm. So you're adding one to save rolls for attacks that target friendly daughters of Cain units, wholly within range of any friendly units with this ability. The blood shield goes out to 18 inches. That is a 32 inch bubble, 36 inch bubble. That's huge. Now it does table, so it's 18 down to six as you take damage, but Correct. the starting point on it is. A couple of cauldrons, good. you can pretty much cover the board. You, uh, you're you need two yeah, to cover the board. Right. Two, right. Yeah, but that's it. And then you're good. You're plus one to your save. Yes. Pretty sweet. Yeah, Witch Brew, we just talked about how that works. We're adding the number to the current battle round. And then Touch we, of Death. Touch of Death. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Mm. What about the Hag Queen that's actually on there? She's the same. Six inch move, five up save, five wound. Her Blade of Cain is exactly the same. She has exactly the same Witch Brew. She has exactly the same Touch of Death. All right. Slaughter Queens. And then we have another Cauldron of Blood. Yes. Slightly different, but also the same. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's so true. <laughs> six inch move, down to three, five up save, bravery eight, 13 wounds. Torrent of Burning Blood is the same. Avatar Sword is the same. Sciencia is the same. And she has the Death Sword and Blade of Cain, which, despite having a different name, is also the same. <laughs> Um, okay. So model them however you want. They're the same. No, don't do that. <laughs> Altar of Cain, same. Bladed Impact, same. Blood Shield, same. She is the Pact of Blood. This unit can attempt to bind one spell on the enemy hero phase in the same manner as a wizard. Yeah. Cool. She has a command ability, Orgy She's of Slaughter. really good. You can use this command ability in your hero phase if this unit is part of your army and, and on the battlefield. Such a specific thing to say there. Command can only be issued by this unit and that the unit that receives it must be a friendly Daughters of Cain unit within three inches of any enemy units. That unit it can fight. Yep. Cool. And then she has the Dance of Doom Prayer, answer value of three. If answered, the first strike effect applies to this unit in the following combat phase. Wow. Not bad. Not bad. And then we have a Slaughter Queen to go with the Cauldron of Blood with Slaughter Queen. And she is the same. Same orgy of slaughter, same Dance of Doom. Yeah. Just movement six and five wounds. Real complicated concept here. Wow. And our new hero, Dan. Yes. The High Gladiatrix. Nice. Nice. Pretty good. Yeah. Six inch move, five up save, six wounds, eight bravery. She has her barbed whip, three inch range, four attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage one. And her blade, one inch range, two attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage one. In a Which pinch, so far doesn't sound like much. Yeah. In a pinch, not a bad hero to take the extra attacks on. 
you know, just because of volume. But you have the Dance of Death. This unit is eligible to fight if it's within six inches of an enemy instead of three and can move an extra three inches when it piles in. Just kind of as you'd expect out of the Sisters of Slaughter hero. Right. Uh, you have the Killing Stroke. At the end of the combat phase, you can pick one enemy hero within one inch of this unit and roll a D3. Add the number of wounds allocated to that enemy hero to the roll. So again, another reason that you would want an extra four attacks on this profile. Yes. If the roll is equal to or greater than the enemy hero's wound characteristic, it is slain. Wow. Pretty solid. But somehow, instead, that is not the best no. rule on her war scroll. Nope. It is Paragon of Slaughter. Melee weapons used by friendly witch elves and sisters of slaughter units, wholly within 12 inches of any friendly units with this ability, have a two wound characteristics of three up instead of a four up. So not plus one, changing it. Ugh. And have a Ren characteristic of minus one instead of blank. That is just insane. It's a very good hero. And she's not... Unique, so you can take more than one of her. You can have multiples. Yep. She's 90 points, so imminently affordable. Absolutely. The whole army is priced, I don't want to, aggressively is not the right word, but very much in a way where you can feel a lot of stuff. Yes. So, you know, the Blood Rack Medusa is 130, the Shrine is 200, the Hag Queen's 110, uh, your Iron Scale's 115, Marathi's, you know, still 680. Again, high, but good. Slaughter Queen's 130, Hag Queen on Cauldron's 270. The Slaughter Queen on Cauldrons, 315. Like, everything that we read, all of that is good. It's reasonable price. Mm -hmm. Yep. For what um, you're getting. Absolutely. Some of it might be a little bit cheap when we start getting to what some of these units are and what they do. Yeah. You're going to feel like you're going to be able to take a lot of what you want to take. But that's it for the heroes, which means that we flip back to our enhancements. Yes, we do. And we're starting out with command traits. Why don't you start, Dan? Okay. The two that I got, I picked Zealous Orator. If this general issues a rally command, you can return one slain model to the unit that receives the command for each four up instead of a six. I'm just thinking here that if I was playing Daughters of Cain, I would be taking some pretty big bricks of sisters and witches. And if I'm taking big bricks like that and I have the ability to bring stuff back 50-50, I think I, that would be a useful thing to have. Sure. I really do. Um, and... You can put this, you know, it says a general, you can put this on a cauldron or you can put this on something like that because they're heroes. You can make them your general if you want to. Just one more thing that they can do, one more ability they have. The other one was Sacrificial Overseer. After this general is fought for the first time in the combat phase, if any enemy models were slain by wounds caused by that general's attacks in that phase, this general is said to be reveling in murder until the end of the phase. If this general is reveling in murder, they can fight for a second time in that phase. The strike last effect applies to this general when they fight for the second time. I was thinking of this for, again, if you make something like a cauldron or something your general. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of attacks, and some of them are pretty decent, especially when you throw in the Avatar's attacks. Imagine being able to attack with that twice in one turn. It's got a lot of potential. Solid. Um, yeah, it really is, and you have a really good chance of killing an enemy model. So this could go I mean, off. yeah, with how big the profiles yes, are. Yes, right. Very doable. It just seemed like something that would be worthwhile for a general with a cauldron. Yep. So I really like both of those, and so rather than just repeating, I'm going to pick Fueled by Revenge. Oh, yeah. So the only thing I don't like about this one, it has to be on the Melusai Iron Scale only. Mm -hmm. But once per battle at the start of the combat phase, you can say that this general will wreak Kane's vengeance. If you do so until the end of that phase, add one of the attacks characteristics of melee weapons used by friendly Melusai units wholly within 12 inches of this general. Cool. If you can deliver the Melusai there, you can have a pretty big turn. Coolio. Yeah. Uh, now we get the artifacts. We do. And we start with 
Daughters of Cain hero. These are the gifts of Marathi. And we got four, so I will pick two. Okay. I had no problem with the first one. The second one was kind of hard to pick. So I picked the crown of woe for my first Same. one. Oh my gosh. This is I mean, so good. It is It is so good. Enemy units cannot receive the rally or inspiring presence command. So wow, does that sound like terrified or what? I mean, it's, yeah. you know, really good. While they're within nine inches of the bearer. Nine inches is a really good range, but and this, then the second part is amazing. If any enemy models are slain by wounds caused by the bearer's attacks, increase the range of this ability to 15 inches for the remainder of the battle. Pretty good. Wow. <laughs> it's a 30-inch bubble, man. Like, holy mutt. That is really good. No inspiring presence for you. All right. Run, yeah. baby, run. Yeah. <laughs> and then the chrome blade was my second choice. Okay. Pick one of the bearer's melee weapons. If that unmodified hit roll for that attack made with that weapon is a six, you can heal one wound allocated to the bearer after all the bearer's attacks have been resolved. You know, pick something that's got like six attacks or something like that. There's not really anything that, that you're going to be able to... Right. It's, you're going to max out at four. I'm what did you pick for? So, Crown of Woe, duh. <laughs> Bloodbane Venom is probably my second one. Pick okay. one of the bearer's melee weapons. After the bearer fights, if any wounds caused by attacks made with that weapon in that phase were allocated to an enemy model, and that enemy model has not been slain, roll a dice. If the roll is equal to or greater than the model's wounds characteristic, that model is slain. Okay. I like this for the fact of this maybe gives you a second crack on a high gladiatrix of taking out a couple of extra models. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, the killing stroke is for heroes, but on a five-wound hero, you just got to roll a five up. And they're gone. And they're gone. Yeah. And you get pseudo two cracks at it mm-hmm. with this and, you know, the killing stroke. Yep. It's not a surefire thing, but hey, it's something. Yeah, and when it goes off, you're a happy camper. Yes. Then we have the Daughters of Cain Wizard, Artifacts of Shadow. Mm-hmm. What did you pick for this one? So I actually like all three. I would say I'd probably take the Shadow Stone, add that one of the casting nice. rolls for the bearer when they attempt to cast a spell from the Lore of Shadows, but I think all three are totally legit. Sure. And then we have uh, Daughters of Cain Priests. Oh, so you picked the same thing. I did. Okay. I picked Shadow Stone, yep. I picked the Blood Sigil for the Priests. You can pick one extra prayer for the bearer to know from the prayers of the Cainite cult, because some of those prayers are so good. And now knowing an extra one, yeah. Yeah, so knowing the extra one's good, it doesn't mean that you can chant an extra one. I like that quite a bit more than the Cainite Pendant, which gives you an automatic prayer off once. Yep. And I don't know that any of these are so good that you need to guarantee Right. One of them at a very specific instance. I'm sure there's going to be times where you're like, I really wish I could make sure that this happens, but I don't know that that's worth your artifact enhancement slot. I do like this, though, because when we talk about those prayers, there are times when you're going to want to have two of them in your pocket because Mm -hmm. they're very situational. And they do very different things. Yes, absolutely. All right, let's go to spell lores because they have wizards and priests. Let's talk about the wizard stuff. First and foremost... There's the auto-select here. <laughs> it's a mind raiser. Now, cast on an eight, so yeah. you so you really are going to want to pair that with the shadow stone for mm-hmm. the plus one, and that doesn't guarantee it by any stretch of the imagination, yep. but casting value of an eight, range of 18. If successfully cast, pick one friendly Daughters of Cain unit, wholly within range, invisible to the caster. Improve the Ren character so that unit's melee weapon by one until your next hero phase. 
Cool. In addition, until your next hero phase, add one to the damage characteristic if it made a charge move in the same turn. <sighs> I mean, I really like that. Again, it has some difficulty in casting, which is really good that Marathi lost the plus one because that was almost always the launch pad that you were going to be using to get Mind Razor off with the bonus to cast. So, And I think, Brendan, the... When I'm looking at this, the thing I'm looking at here mm. is that Paragon of Slaughter from the Gladiatrix that she already makes. It, you know, it gives you a minus one rend, and then this would be cumulatively? Correct. Yeah, so you could beat a minus two rend, you know? You yeah, rend two, damage two on your witches. Ooh. Seems yeah. good. Then I pick Mirror Dance as my second one. Okay. There are other ways to do some, you know, teleport shenanigans in this book, but I think this one is really nice because... You can do whatever you want with those two heroes. So it's Mirror Dance is a spell. It's a casting value of six, which is very doable. A range of 18. is successfully cast, pick two friendly Daughters of Cain heroes that are wholly within range, visible to the caster, and each more than three inches from all enemy units. Remove those heroes from the battlefield. Then set each model up again within one inch of the location that had been occupied by another model before it was removed from the battlefield and more than three inches from all enemy units. Yeah, you can also get a couple of extra inches out of it because you have to be within an inch of where the model was. Mm -hmm. So you can use something that has a larger base and set that up within an inch of where that other model was and you can get an inch plus a base size free movement in the direction that you were trying to go. Sure. Little sneaky stuff. Nice. How about you for another one? The Withering. Casting sure. value of oh, 7, yeah. range 18. Yep. Pick an enemy unit within range, visible to caster. Add 1 to wound rolls for attacks that target that unit until your next hero phase. That's not limited to combat. So, bow snakes. Plus 1 to wound. Prayers. Okay. So, my two, the ones I always went with, these really haven't changed a whole lot. <laughs> uh, Catechism of Murder and Martyr Sacrifice are my two, and they were my two go-tos. Catechism of Murder is a prayer that has an answer value of 3, range of 14, if this prayer is answered, pick one friendly Daughters of Cain unit wholly within range, visible to the chanter, until your next hero phase. If the unmodified hit rolls for an attack made with any melee weapons by that unit is six, that unit scores two hits on the target instead of one. Make a wound roll and save for each. Now, we've got a way. We already talked about a command ability where you can explode sixes. Mm-hmm. Now you use this prayer, you've got two units that can explode sixes. Yep. And if you're talking about a nice big brick of witches or slaw, you know, sisters, whoof, man. And that is just punching way above their weight, which is so cool. And remember, dear listeners, you can't stack multiple triggers on mm-hmm. the same dice roll. So you could put Catechism of Murder and the command ability on it, but you'd only get the effect of one. Right. Which is why you want to try and put them on two totally separate units so you're getting the most out of both abilities. Absolutely. And then Martyr Sacrifice is a prayer that has an answer value of three. Again, range 14. Same thing. You pick a Daughters of Cain unit that's wholly within range until your next hero phase. Each time a model from that unit, until your next hero phase, each time a model from that unit is slain by an attack made with a melee weapon, before the slain model is removed, pick one enemy unit within three of the slain model and roll a die on a five up that unit suffers one mortal wound. God, I hate this when I play them. I hate this. <laughs> you know, I just had this game with Nick where you had the Star Drake that has a blowback on like, you know, on sixes or something. Sure. Brendan, he rolled, you know, because I brought my Blake guy in, so he rolled a bazillion saves, right? He rolled like 10 sixes, man. It was insane. I lost like seven Blade guys. This is the same thing here. And it goes with shields or the same way. If they got, we'll talk about that. But this is such a great thing. And it really, really twist somebody's freaking you know right because it's a penalty for doing what you want to do right you want to wipe them out that's fine and i'm going to take half your unit with me when i die it's so good 
I like both of those, but I'll okay. I'll talk about two other ones so that okay, yeah. you know, yep. folks kind of know the breadth and depth of what we have here. So Covenant of the Iron Heart, casting yep. answer value of three, range 14. If it's answered, pick one friendly Daughters of Canyon, Holy Within Range, Invisible of the Chancer. Your next hero phase, you don't take battle shock test for that unit. Having a unit that you don't have to spend inspiring presence on, well worth the dice roll. The next one is Sacrament of Blood. Answer value of three in range of 14. If its prayer is answered, pick one friendly Daughters of Canyon, Holy Within Range, Invisible to Caster. Till your next hero phase, add one to the number uh, of the current battle round when determining the abilities gained by that unit from Blood Rites battle trait. This ability and other similar abilities are cumulative. <laughs> you could be up to turn three or four right away mm-hmm. if you combine this stuff right. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. good, right? Like, plus one to run and plus one to charge in your first turn on a run and charge unit. Yeah. Seems good. It's okay. Next up on our list is to talk about temples. Yeah. And so just like all the other 3.0 books, the temples have been very much simplified. And I will tell you for maybe the first time that we've done this where there have been so many that all six are good. Mm -hmm. You want to start us off or you want me to do Hagnar? Yeah. First up, Hagnar. Classic. Add one to the current battle round when determining the abilities gained by friendly Hagnar units from the Blood Rites battle trait. This ability and other similar abilities are cumulative. So if you are playing Hagnar, you start on battle round two. You start with plus one to run and plus one to charge. So if you take that prayer that gives you plus one on the traits table, you are now at round three. You are plus one to hit. And if you give that unit a, you know, a sippy cup, Yep. They are now plus one to run, plus one to charge, plus one to hit, and plus, plus one to wound. You can create and put together a tactical nuclear missile. Yes. Send it upfield and do some unsupported damage. Great. Great stuff. Second pick, Dan. What do you got? Uh, Drakey Ganeth. Okay. It just keeps going. It's like the gift that keeps on giving here. <laughs> this one, you improve the Ren characteristic of melee weapons used by friendly witches and sisters by one. If those units made a charge move in the same turn. Hello, they're going to make charge moves. So we're plus one from this. We're plus one from, from, from the Gladiatrix. What we just had, what else did you add one to the Ren? There was a spell. Mind oh, Razor. Mind Razor. You could be like... <laughs> You could be like minus three rend for witches, dude. I or sisters of slaughter. Mm-hmm. That's really, really good. Oh man! Even though it's one damage, it's a potload of attacks. So yeah, it's very good. Super duper, super good. So the extra thing that you get out of Drychi Ganeth is your army can include one reinforced or double reinforced witch elves unit in addition to the other reinforced units it can include, uh, which means that you can effectively include up to six. Points of reinforcements. Yeah. Now, two of those reinforcement points have to be spent on witch elves specifically. Taking a step back to Hagnar. Now, where does that come from in the book? Where do we get that? The notes section. Okay, it's in the notes. Okay. So in the notes on your pitch battle profiles, it'll tell you that. Also in the notes for Hagnar, your army can include one cauldron of blood in addition to the other behemoth units it can include. So effectively, you can get up to five behemoths as long as one of those behemoths is... A keyword, Cauldron of Blood. Oh, so, you know, that's all right. Keltnar, you get Retreat and Charge. Okay. Yeah. We know how that works now. Yeah. <laughs> so, Retreat and Charge army with Daughters of Cain. Obviously, you get quite a few buffs from charging. Obviously, you can't pair that with Drychi Ganeth. But a Retreat and Charge Marathi is pretty scary. I'll bet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, one I used to play a lot was Kaelbron. Yep. This is... Uh, movement shenanigans. You're getting pretty sneaky with that, too. At oh, the end. I was getting good, yeah. You can use this command ability... 
at the end of your movement phase. The command can only be issued by a friendly Kalebron hero, and that unit that receives it must be a friendly Kalebron unit. Remove the unit that receives this command from the battlefield. Set it up again on the battlefield more than nine inches from enemy units. Anywhere. Yep. Okay. You pick up Shadow Stalkers' battle line in Kalebron. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Next up is the Kraith who were loved really only by Chuck Moore, but now they've gotten quite a bit better. After a friendly Kraith Sisters of Slaughter unit has fought for the first time in the combat phase, roll a dice on a four-up that unit can fight for a second time in that phase. The strike last effect applies to the unit when they fought for that second time. Hmm. So if you can get your army off the charge, you can roll a bunch of four-ups in a row. Pretty devastating. Yeah. It only applies to Sisters of Slaughter, which is a good limitation, I feel. Yeah. But, you know, free fight twice on your army is not something that you'd be too upset about, I think. I don't think so. No, and there's no extra, like, weird battle line or, or permissions for the crew. No, so. not at all. And then we have Xanthar Kai, which is the snakes. Mm-hmm. Each time a model in a friendly Xanthar Kai Malusai unit is slain, that model can fight before it's removed from play. Yep. So even if you are strike last, you can still fight yep. before you die. And then both shooty snakes and combat snakes and Xanthar Kai become battle line. Yep. So respectable. There's a reason to take any and all of the temples, maybe mm-hmm. some more than others, specifically depending on which way you'd like to play. But the fact that you don't have artifacts and traits that are tied to them specifically, you can really run the army wide open. Yep. One of the things I do like about this book as well, even though other than a couple of units, we have the same stuff as we had before. It just seems like there are so many ways to be successful running a daughter's army. I mean, there's just a lot of combinations and things you can do. And I love the fact that there's that kind of flexibility in a book. It's not just a single build book. Yeah, as you should. Yeah, And that's one of the things that the daughter's book has really struggled with in the past is being a mono mm-hmm. army style construction. It just feels to me like it's different now. You can do a lot of different things. So here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me units what you want to talk about the sisters or the witches i'll talk about sisters okay they are movement six six up save bravery seven one wounds they've got their croup lash because you can't just name something uh you know whip two inch range two attacks <laughs> threes by fours no rend damage one and their sacrificial knives which is one inch range one attacks threes by fours no rend damage one you have to pick between arming them with their crip lash and their knife or their crip lash and their buckler whole unit must be armed the same if they have the shield they're a five up stave instead of a six up the champion adds one to the attack characteristics of their melee weapons one in five units can be a standard bearer and if they do so, you can reroll failed Battleshock test. The musician can be one in five models. Get run in charge if you have any horn blowers. Dance of Death is the same as we had on the High Gladiatrix, mm-hmm. so they can pile in from six inches out, and they yep. pile in six inches. And then they have the Bladed Bucklers. If the unmodified save roll for an attack with a melee weapon that targets a unit with the bladed bucklers is a six, the attack unit suffers one mortal wound after Uh. all its attacks have been resolved. And always make sure to roll these dice no matter the rend of your opponents. Yes. Just because it doesn't mean that you can't pass the save doesn't mean that you don't get to do damage back to them. Correct. Yes. Make them pay for their hubris and their rend. I I know what Brendan is saying here because I got that lecture. Hmm. from him early on in my Daughters of King career. And I heard it way too much until I actually started rolling the dice. Yes. (laughs) It is a rule that you get. It is free. If you are taking the shields, and it's a totally legitimate thing to do, roll the 
Roll your dice. Oh, gosh. Roll them. Roll them well. All right. Now we have... There goes my soapbox. The Amazing Witches. A six-inch move, one wound, six-up save, seven bravery. They have the Bladed Bucklers as well. Get a five-up save. A Standard Bear, same thing. Reroll failed battle shock tests. You get a horn blower. If you do this, you can throw on a charge. Great. Bladed Bucklers, same thing. And then Frenzied Fervor. We'll talk about the profile in a second. Add one to wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by this unit while it is wholly within 12 inches of any Friendly Daughters of Cain totem. Okay. That would be a cauldron or an avatar, yep. for example, right? Yep. We have the paired Sansa, which is one inch, three attacks, three by fours, no rend. Yeah, right. And one damage. <laughs> it only says there's no rend on here, but... Yeah, you'll pick up the rend somewhere else yeah, is what you, you're saying. Yeah. Okay. You get plenty of chances. And then just the straight Sansa, which is the... One inch range, two attacks, three by fours, no ren, one damage. So you get an extra attack if you run two swords or two daggers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. You get two attack and a five up save if you run the bucklers as well as the mm-hmm. stab them in the eye, roll six ups yep. on your save rolls. Yep. I haven't done the math. I think the sword and shield is maybe the yeah. way to go. Once I started making those rolls, especially if somebody was going to wipe out half my unit and I had to make a crap pot of saves, man, mm. it just felt so good rolling four or five sixes and making them pay. Nice. It was great. All right. Now this next unit is cool. I'm yes. glad they included it. The models are amazing. So you talk about it, Dan. You love them. You talk about now, them. Now this is nine models, I believe, in this. Say nine. Something like yep. that. It's 150 points. It's battle line and a Kale Bron. That's the teleport trick army. And you've got six inch move, one wound, four up save, seven bravery. You have cursed missiles. So it's a six inch range for one attack. Three by threes, minus one, one damage. And then you have assassin's blades and umbral blades. Assassins do two attacks, four by threes, no rend, one damage. And then the umbrals is one more attack. Three by threes, minus one D3. So one model in this unit can be a shroud queen. That model is armed with cursed missiles and the umbral blades instead of the cursed missiles and the assassin's blades. And a shroud queen has a wounds characteristic of three instead of one. So it's 11 wounds. I think, yeah, 11 wounds for this unit. Very nice. Uh, In your movement phase, this is the great part. Instead of picking this unit to make a normal move or retreat, or retreat, so you can just disappear if you're in combat. You don't want to be there. You can say it it will do a shadow leap. If it does so, remove this unit from the battlefield. Set it up again on the battlefield more than nine inches from all enemy units. So, poof. They're gone. Yeah. 150 points to scare the living bejesus out of your opponent for the entire game. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And with a four-up save, it's still going to be tricky, and they got a six-up ward save, so you're not just going to push them down. You're not just going to blow them away with a little breeze. They're going to take some work. Next up is a unit that has always confused me. Doomfire Warlocks. 14-inch move, 5-up save, bravery 6, 2 wounds. Not battle line in any way, shape, or form. Keep that in mind. That's going to be important in just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doomfire crossbow, 12-inch range, 2 attacks, 4s by 3s, no rend, damage 1. Cursed scimitar, 1-inch range, 2 attacks, 4s by 3s, rend 1, damage 1. And their vicious murder pony bites, 1-inch range, 2 attacks, 4s by 4s, no rend, damage 1. The unit is a wizard and can attempt and unbind one spell. Got their mounts, their champion adds one to their attacks characteristics. You add one to the casting and unbinding rules for this unit while it's five or more models. Neat. Uh, they have Doomfire, casting value of a six and range 12 inches. So good so far. If this caster's unit has fewer than five models, the enemy unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. 
If the caster's unit has 5 to 9 models, it suffers D6 mortal wounds. If the caster's unit has 10 or more models, which it cannot have more than 10 models, <laughs> that enemy unit suffers 6 mortal wounds. It's not battle line, so you can only reinforce it once, which means you bring it up to 10, to 145 points for 5 of them. Are you going to spend 300 points yeah. on 10 horses to do 6 mortal wounds maybe once? Mm-hmm. Seems like a rhetorical question. Like, the answer is obvious. <laughs> Probably not. No. Yeah, so... Next is my bestest buddy in the whole book. Who's really, really, really good, and it's nice that it became really good. It's 155 points yeah. for your one behemoth. Yeah. But, Dan, Nine. tell us what we get for this unit that we no longer have to roll for. Nine-inch move. Nine wounds, four up save. And I'm just thinking of you're close to a cauldron. It's like a three up save. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got a six up ward, obviously, because your daughter's a cane. Yeah. You got 10 inch ranged attack, which is six attacks, three by threes, minus one rend, one damage. Yep. So same as on the cauldrons. Right. And then you have two inch range attack, four attacks, three by threes, minus two, three damage. Okay. If you're close to a daughter's a cane priest, if you're holy within nine, they add one to chanting rolls. Beautiful. Oh, and wait a minute. I said a six up. This thing is a five up ward save. Yep. Beautiful. That is great. And then we have Wrath of Cain, which is kind of confusing, but does not have the monster keyword. But it counts as a monster for doing a monstrous rampage, but you can only carry out a stomp or a smash. A smash to rubble. Oh, no. Oh, it oh, can't be picked darn. to be the target of a monstrous rampage. So you can't. It's treated like another monster by monsters. I just wish I could have more than four, Brendan, <laughs> in a list. It would just be so much fun. to. Just... I mean, you can have four plus a cauldron at, if you play uh, Hagnar. Right. Because it's true. free cauldron. Yep. And I mean, you got to pay the points, there. but you don't get the right the behemoth. So on there, yeah. That's five. Yeah. It might be a good thing for a narrative event. Huh. Got a little time. Yeah. <laughs> that might be fun. Yeah, if there was some sort of 3,000-point event where you could field, oh. like, six of them. Oh, wow, yeah. And a bunch of cauldrons with them on them. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah They're full. heroes, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, cool. Hmm. I wonder right. what that could mean. Uh, dream on, bears. Dream on. <laughs> All right. So next up is bow snakes. <laughs> Eight inch move, five up save, bravery eight, two wounds, battle line in the snake sub-faction. Mm-hmm. They have the Heartseeker bow, 24 inch range, two attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage one. They've got their little dagger things, one inch range, two attacks, threes by fours, no rend, damage one, and their Bloodworm, which is on the unit champion, one inch range, one attack, threes by threes, no rend, damage one. Mm-hmm. Your champion gets a Bloodworm. Neat. But they are Heartseekers. Unmodified hit rolls of sixes, suffer, uh, target unit suffers a mortal wound, and the sequence ends. Yeah, sure. And you get five base, correct? Yep. And they are battle lines, so you could pop them up but, to 50. Right, they're battle line in the snake sub-faction, or right. if you have an Malusai iron scale, they are 180 points. So they went up for five. Yep, a little pricey, but if you're taking Marathi, you get to do the command ability in the hero phase. Shoot, it's a good unit to overwatch with. Shooting is good. Yes. Now we got the Punchy Snakes, Blood Sisters. Punchy Snakes are good. Yes, same profile in terms of move, wounds, saves, etc. The champion adds one to the attack's characteristic. The Hard Shard Glaive, 2-inch range, 3 attacks, 3 by 3s, minus 1 rend. Only minus 1? Not. And then damage (laughs) 1. This is a unit where... (laughs) 
you really only have the opportunity to potentially right. jack right. it up to minus two. Great. So the minus one is closer to real than yes. the other ones we've talked That's about. So, true. Right, so That's, I'll slow your roll on that gonna, one. He's going to pull on the leash. Yeah. All right. And then the other one is turn to crystal. After this unit is fought for the first time in a phase and all of its attacks have been resolved, you can pick one enemy unit within one inch, roll one dice for each model in this unit. On a two up, the enemy suffers one mortal wound. Okay. Yep. This is a unit that I could very conceivably see you bring up to 10 to 15 models, play it in a mm. Hagnar army, mm. try and get it up to the equivalent of battle round four very early, and send it across the table with, you know, three to four attacks each on twos by twos, mm. rend one, damage one, or rend two, damage two. Sure. And just watch your opponent weep softly. <laughs> it's 140 points for five, so yeah. they're very affordable. Yeah. Uh, they're yeah. very effective and efficient unit. A five-up save means that when they're taking the swing back, it's going to be ugly. But if you don't have to take the swing back, then who cares? Right. Okay, now we have the flying thingies. Yeah, do you want to take the shooting ones or the stabbing ones? I used to always take heart renders. Okay. Uh, and then we'll talk about which one you think is is uh, the better one to go with here. So we have the profiles are the same for both the heart renders and the life takers. 14-inch move, one wound, seven bravery, five up save. The heart renders had the barbed javelin, which is 12-inch range, one attack, three by threes, minus one, one. And then the barbed javelin again at uh, melee range, one inch, one attack, four by fours, minus one, one. Descend to battle. This rule is the same for both. Instead of setting up this unit on the battlefield, you place it to one side and say it's circling high above. If you do so, at the end of your movement phase, you can set up this unit on the battlefield more than nine inches from all enemy units, but they have to be in by turn three yep okay just knowing yep that's just a core rule yep Yep. and fire and flight so after this unit shoots this unit can make a normal move of six inches sure yeah good stuff and then the life takers exact same movement profile they have no ranged attack they just have their barbed sickle which is one inch range two attacks threes by threes rend one damage one champion gets plus one of their attacks characteristic they have descend to battle they have fight and flight uh, after this unit fights, you can roll a dice on a four up. This unit can retreat six inches. So, Brendan, what are we taking? I think both have value. The fact that the fire and flight is automatic is pretty good. You're not depending on either of these units for their damage output. That's not what you're doing. They are there to be disruptors. So, you can early in the game deploy them on the field of battle or you put them in the sky, drop them down at the end of the movement phase, you shoot, you move your six inches, you're now three away, and you can pin your opponent into spaces where they don't want to be. Probably heart renders. I don't think you're wrong for taking either of them. There's a five-point difference. Heart renders are 95, life takers are 90. Okay, yeah. Sure, whatever. Okay, happy or glad. <laughs> All right. It's time for some endless spells. And an endless prayer. Yeah, right? Yeah, one endless prayer. Two endless spells, one endless prayer. Dan, which one do you want to talk about? The one that is annoying is, heck, the Viper. Yeah. It's good. good. Viper is good. Okay, so it is predatory. Yes. It has a casting value of seven and a range of nine. Set it up wholly within the range of the caster. And this is a predatory in the spell, as you might expect for a Viper. It can be moved nine inches, so the threat range so far is 18. After this endless spell has moved... The commanding player must pick one unit within one inch of it and roll three dice. For each roll that is equal to or greater than that unit's wound characteristic, one model is slain. Just freaking slain. I remember one Alex Milonis rolling this against my Varengard. Very rude of him. 
At the end of the charge phase, the commanding player can count this endless spell as a monster for the purposes of monstrous rampage rules, but they can only carry out a stomp or smash to rubble monstrous rampage with it. It cannot be picked to be the target of a monstrous rampage. Cool. 80 points. Kind of tough to cast, but the ceiling on it is solid. Um, Absolutely. I don't know that it's an auto-include, but I think there's something fun to be had with it, especially Mm. for kind of random hero hunting. Get it upfield and just annoy your opponent to death. Mm-hmm. Next up is the Bladewind, casting value of a 6, range 9. Predatory can move 12 inches and fly. It has an unnatural edge. After this endless spell has moved, roll a dice for each unit that has any models it passed across, and for each other unit that is within 1 inch of this at the end of the move on a 2-up, that unit suffers 1 mortal wound. In addition, do not apply the cover modifier to save rolls for attacks that target enemy units within 12 inches of this endless spell. Yawn. Lame. Uh, this is kind of garbage. <laughs> I know we don't typically say flatly that things aren't worth your time, this one uh, is but bad. at 50 points, don't. Don't do it. Please don't, don't do it. This next one, I want you to talk about it. It's the, the prayer. I just love the model. I think the model is so cool. It is a really cool model. So it, it's 45 points, and it's an invocation. It has an answer value of 3 and a range of 12 inches. Mm. Only Daughters of Cain priests can attempt to summon this invocation. Mm. So it has one rule, the locus of the murder god. At the start of the combat phase, if this invocation is on the battlefield, the commanding player must roll a dice. On a 1 through 5, until the end of that phase, subtract 1 from the damage inflicted to a minimum of 1. By each successful attack, the targets a Daughters of Cain unit in the commanding player's army, Mm. only within 12 inches of this invocation. Cool. It's like a cruciator. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. On a 6, until the end of that phase, you have the above rule. In addition, you add one to the attacks characteristics of melee weapons used by Daughters of Cain units in the commanding player's army wholly within 12 inches of invocation. In addition, if the roll is a six, this invocation is removed from play at the end of that phase. I mean... Solid. Bro, you said 40 points, right? 45. 45. It's solid. It's damage reduction, which is good. There's an opportunity to get extra attacks. Now, that's a bit unreliable, and it means you're going to have to summon it back out there, but Mm -hmm. not terribly big deal especially in the midst of you know like if you're able to put this where you're expecting the fighting to be it's not a bad thing to have sure if you are finding yourselves 45 points short and you're not really feeling a triumph of any variety you could spend points a lot worse than this okay so that's it for war scrolls so let's go talk our grand strategies and battle tactics and tactics and this is a book with some pretty pretty good of those extra ones which is the area that has been not super reliable for some of the new 3.0 books i'm relatively happy in particular with the battle tactics okay i'll start the battle tactics then okay or do you want to start with grand strategies i'm not really hot on the strategies so you go ahead and do the tactics to so the first one is clash of arms you complete this tactic if three or more friendly units make a charge move totally in your control if two or more of those units which i mean they might as well be are witch elves or sisters of slaughter you score an additional victory point three (laughs) It's almost auto. It's obviously less automatic, you know, for instance, taking, you know, run three units together, but that's about as automatic as it gets, especially in an army that has run and charge and starting in battle round two for any sub-faction that you take are plus one to run and plus one to charge. Mm -hmm. This next one, you complete this tactic of two or more friendly canary units use their fire and flight ability or fight and flight ability this turn. Yep. So as long as you move with it, automatic. Yep. Nice. Tide of Blades. You complete this tactic if there are two or more units from your starting army wholly within your opponent's territory at the end of this turn. 
If two or more of those units are witch elves, score one additional victory point. It's Savage Spearhead a second time. Yes. Cool. Yep. Very doable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Executioner's Cult. You can pick this battle tactic only if there's a friendly high gladiatrix on the battlefield. I would think you're probably going to take her most of the time. You complete this tactic if an enemy hero is slain by that unit's killing stroke ability this turn. If you are digging for this battle tactic, something has gone horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's true. It's wildly conditional. Speaking of wildly conditional, yeah. you can pick this battle tactic only if you have a Hagnar or Keltnar army. Oh, this is the hatred of chaos, okay. You complete this tactic if two or more chaos units are destroyed this turn. All right. I mean, it's not a bad one to take. Mm-hmm. Hagnar and Keltnar are both sub-factions that there's a good potential of you taking Hagnar mm-hmm. in particular. Problem is, chaos armies are theoretically only 25% of the field. They're a little bit higher than that because death and destruction don't exactly occupy 25%. Hope you remember that one, right? Yeah, that, that's one to keep in the pocket, maybe. If you, again, it's situational. Yep. Unexpected attack. You complete this tactic if a friendly Canaanite Shadow Stalker's unit uses its Shadow Leap ability and makes a charge move this turn. Basically, you're gambling, can I roll in eight on a charge roll? Yes. You are in less bad shape using this than the High Gladiatrix one, but again... If this is the one you're depending on, remember, there's only five battle rounds. Yes. Two of these are very good. One is a duplicate of another battle tactic. Mm -hmm. You still have run units together. You still have monstrous takeover for Marathi. Right. And, you know, all of this subject to change in the new handbook. But in the context of when we're reading this, I don't know, seems pretty good. Battle tactics. Real solid. Really good ones. Grand strategies. Dan, you are less warm on these, and I'm willing to meet you there, right? You know, because it's the same complaint I have for just about every single one of these that we go through just about, Mm -hmm. which is why on earth would anyone consider these over the handbook? Yes. Because the handbook ones are so stinking good. Which makes me a bit anxious because they've talked about changing all the basic strats. I'm totally fine if they make them not super reliable. I want the decisions in your book to be meaningful. Okay, that's um, fair. You know, That's a fair like, argument. Now, part of that is is everybody needs to have access to you know personalized grand strategies. Mm-hmm. So some of these white dwarfs need to come on out so mm-hmm. that... Mm-hmm. Everyone can have an equal crack at equally garbage extra grand strategy. Well, we're going to find out real soon mm. which of us got our wish for the one in the handbook. Sure. Okay, so Bloodbath is the first one. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy. If all enemy heroes and monsters either have at least one wound allocated to them or have been slain, and if all other enemy units on the battlefield have had at least one model slain, <sighs> that's that's tough. A big ask. Yeah. That really is. That can be tough. Conquered in the name of Cain. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy if there is a friendly avatar of Cain or Cauldron of Blood wholly within enemy territory. Mm. Not impossible. Manageable. No, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, we can do that. All right. Bloodthirsty Zealots. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy if all friendly units either fought at least once during the battle or have been destroyed. Yeah. Very doable. That's, yeah, that, absolutely. That one is also under your control mm-hmm. for the most part, which... It's what you want. Exactly. Yeah. And it's also one that you can get by while getting, you know, your army taken off the board. Right. Right. So, not but destruction. If you pick this grand strategy after deployment, pick one defensible terrain feature wholly within enemy territory. If there are no defensible terrain features wholly within enemy territory, your opponent picks one defensible terrain feature anywhere on the battlefield 
when the battle ends, you complete the scram strategy if that terrain feature has been demolished. So that is where having a Bloodrack Viper would be useful to do the smash to rubble. You don't have a lot of monsters mm-hmm. in, in this book. It's really just your avatars that do the smash to rubble and the Viper that smash to rubble, or you have mm-hmm. allied in some sort of monster from somewhere else. Sure. Because that is the only way you can demolish things. And obviously Big Marathi, but... Yeah. Yeah, is that what you're going to be using a 680 point? Probably not. Yeah. If you get it done early, then who cares? But right. you have two battalions. One is garbage and one is not. <laughs> Your Viperic Guard is mandatory one Canite leader. So either Bloodrack Medusa or Melusa Ironscale. And mandatory one Melusai Warrior, which is either Blood Sisters or Bloodstalker unit. And Marathi Cane. Either the Shadow Queen or the regular yeah, one. You right. can put one or the other in there. Uh, you could technically take the Viperic Guard twice if you wanted, but you have optional two Malusai heroes and optional four Malusai warriors, so... You're stacking up on snakes here. Yep. And you get an extra enhancement. Yep. Each time you take it, so... Exactly. And very doable to get... Shadow Patrol, which whatever. is garbage. Whatever. Two Doomfire Warlock units and four Canera units, yeah. and you can either be unified... Or you can be swift. Unify. One drop. It's wow. still garbage. garbage. <laughs> um, because under what sure. circumstance right. are you composing your army to be such that you have four Malusai units and two Doomfire Warlock units? You mean the Flyer units. Four Flyer units. Yeah, four Canary units right. yeah. and two Doomfire units. And taking a regular battle regiment is somehow off the table. Right. Are you really fielding 10 units? What? Yeah. I don't know. pretty crazy, man. Just an enormous waste of time in that one. Absolutely. Viperic Guard, I could see a place for it. You could be snacking up some uh, enhancements. Sure. For sure. You could get three. You're going to get one base. You do two of these, you get three. Mm -hmm. And there were some pretty good ones in there we were talking about. Yeah, Yeah. there'd be some ones that you're happy with. I think you'd run out of points pretty quick, but definitely some good choices to be had in there. I don't know how many extra artifacts you're going to really want if you have Marathi that you've taken. Yeah. So maybe, you know, that and then a battle regiment. Not a bad combination of things, but good lord, that other one. We have seen some bad battalions. This is beyond that. This is maybe the worst. It's really Like, I cannot conceive of a justification (laughs) for a player who, even from a casual perspective, who looks at all of their options and goes, wow, Mm -hmm. that. If you got both swift and unified, okay. Yeah. Fine. It's different. Okay. (laughs) Brendan, you need to tell us how you really feel about this. All right, buddy. Oh, boy. The book on that note. That is the book on that note. Yeah. I'm sorry to end on such a sour note in terms of the actual going through it. Final thoughts, Dan. Where, you know, this is your first competitive army. Yeah. You played it in 1.0. You played it in Mm 2.0. You didn't play it in the second write-through book. You didn't play it in the Broken Realms Marathi. No. But... You know, you have context for what it is. You've played against it. What are your thoughts on this as a retired and reformed Daughters of Cain player? Yeah, I would love to have my army back. <laughs> is what, I mean, I'll sell it back to yeah. you for the same dollar amount. I said earlier, I like the fact that you can build so many different ways now mm-hmm. and still be successful. And 
I really like that about this. I like the insane amount of synergies. I like the really cool way that the uh, sub-factions would work. So you have really good choices no matter what you take. You're going to really benefit from that. I love the way that they've, you know, like the high gladiatrix what a great addition in terms of a hero really adds a lot of flexibility to the army i like the way they've included and not really changed a whole lot i don't think the spells and the prayers that's really great just overall this is such a wonderful army to play because you have so many things you can do with just basic models sure sisters witches yeah all day long i take an army just of that because of all the things you can do to them to make them just womp on your opponent. You're gonna see you're gonna be pulling a lot of models, but so what? The enemies in the end isn't gonna have an army left. <laughs> That's the so, goal. Yeah, right. I really enjoy uh, what they've done here. How yep. about you? Competitive books still, like all 3.0 books mm-hmm. that we've read, they're just right out of the gate, good reasons to take it. You know, there are two war scrolls that we went through that I would say don't waste your time on Doomfire Warlocks and the Whirlwind Blades and look if one of the bad war scrolls is an endless spell you're doing fine which is great I think this is really the first go through of Daughters of Cain that we've had where both kind of key styles snakes versus daughters is is really the dividing point obviously Mm -hmm. you can mix and match and, and all that but sure for the most part, you lean one or the other, where going in either extreme is totally valid. The first mm-hmm. book was witches, 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 and you know some sisters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second go around was snakes, 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 snakes. This time, I think they hit the nail on the head in terms of actually capturing what this army should be. You're able to play both snakes and daughters together separately. It does a ton of damage, and it doesn't have the feel bad that it had before, which was just your army was nigh unkillable previous editions had you at a five up ward where you were re-rolling and that was insane that was nuts and the Uh, other thing i didn't mention i like is that you don't have to take bow snakes to be successful here oh no absolutely you absolutely don't and so it'll be nice to see daughters lists on the tables where you're not taking 15 snakes Mm -hmm. because almost every right now almost every army takes a bunch of snakes it'll be cool to see what people come up with um Really good. Yeah. High damage. You can get some pretty good rend out of it with the right combination of things. Mm-hmm. You're going to take damage on the swing back. For the first time since this set of battle tomes has come out, this finally feels the way that the book should feel. Yes. And again, 3.0 book that absolutely nails it. It is competitive. It is thematic. And there are good, legitimate choices for all levels of player in there. And my favorite part is there's nothing on the surface that jumps right out as, you have to take this or you're a moron. Very good. Yeah. Excellent. Good book. I've gotten one game against it in the wild. So it played kind of the way that it shows up in the battle tome, which is great. And that's especially great for new players because there is a uncomplicatedness of being Mm. able to take an army, and then use it and execute in the way that you are kind of expecting it to work. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And then where this was, you know, our series of Dan battle tomes, our next series of battle tomes are battle tomes that one of us doesn't want to talk about <laughs> either of them. Uh, so so we're going to end up talking about both of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just for you guys. All right, man. Well, thanks a lot for that. And uh, we're going to be moving on then to Scriptorium. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
Right, new releases. There's nothing new because it's Thursday when we're recording, so we don't have Saturday releases. <laughs> we don't know what's sure. coming Saturday. If any of you have been looking for Soul Slayer, which is the next Gotrek book in the Mortal Realms, you're not going to find it because it's only an ebook still. But I wanted to let people know that nothing's broken on Audible or wherever you get your you know audiobooks. It's just not been released as an uh, audiobook yet. But other than that, yeah, nothing really new coming out right now. How about you for all your stuff? Last show. I downloaded Karn. We talked about it. I mm-hmm. downloaded it on, I'm on air. Waiting to see what you think. I hate. I spent fourteen hours in a car this last weekend. I listened to all of it. It was good. It was yeah. entertaining. Yeah. There's kind of a cheesy reveal at the end where I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, boo. right." There are definitely some cool things when they're talking about the Legion, and obviously, I. Horse Heresy, I'm going to be playing World Eaters, I have a Karn, I have an Mm -hmm. Angron. Those are really the only units I have. It's one of those things where it's an interesting Legion because of how deeply flawed it is. And Angron, not Angron, Karn is such a cool character because how un-World Eaters he is, but how World Eaters he becomes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this being kind of the background was neat. It was worth the time. Yep. The one funny thing here is is that this is kind of post Siege of Terra. So po- yeah, post so Siege of Terra. We're not going to say something chaos-y. about it. Just yeah. that there's a reveal in the book, or in the audio that you mm. listen to, that you know you're going to find out when you read Siege of Terra. So it's like you found out something about a character in this audiobook that you don't know about yet in the siege. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. What was that for? <laughs> really weird. But anyway, very well, good. And there's another reveal in there that, you oh, know, that yeah. I go, boo. Yeah, there was that one, yeah. It's like, the nails were going in yeah, my head. With yeah, that. of course. That's pretty much that. Season six of Peaky Blinders is mm-hmm. available on Netflix. Yeah. yeah. I'm through the first four episodes. It's a little bit heavier content than it has been in previous seasons. Not that it's been a terribly fun and lighthearted show. Oh, no. I've really only been able to watch it like one episode at a time where I go like, okay, I'm going to have to take a step back. I will preface it with it's very important to remember the period of time in which the show is taking place. There is some imagery and iconography that is relevant to the period of time and should not be a surprise for most folks, but it's there. So if that is something that's going to make you uncomfortable... I'm glad you didn't live in that time. I, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't live in that time. It's part of the show. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's what I've been into. Okay. I did get my second Slammers book, so I started that. And this one, as opposed to the last one, was like 15 short stories. This one is three kind of novellas. And I, I know I've read them all because I looked at the titles, but I'm still going to read them because they're still cool and, and yeah. it's still Slammers. So it's really great stuff. I did finally finish the Robert E. Lee book because they did so much hobby that I had that book on all the time trying to get through it. And it delivered what I thought it would in terms of revealing who he was. The rationalizations that he went through farther and farther in his life were just so frustrating to listen to. And the author, you know, is talking about in the end, he was, I don't want to use this word, but he was a traitor. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking like uh, Benedict Arnold was traitor, you know, and how he was treated versus how Lee was treated. And he was a traitor. The other thing, though, I am going to start is Cthonia's Reckoning, which is this book I talked about last time. It's a collection of short stories about the Imperial Fists 
taking it to Horus and going to the, his home world, which he was not expecting. Giving him the business. And that one comes out Saturday, so I'm going to pick that up right away and start listening to that. Darknet Diaries, still enjoying that a lot. Just a reminder that Doug from 2 Plus Tough and I are doing a Horus Heresy series, The Emperor Protects. I think this week he was going to post episode two, which was False Gods, so we should have that up. And then I just briefly want to talk about uh, something I watched called Danger Close. It's a, a Vietnam War era movie about Australians and New Zealanders in Vietnam is called the Battle of Long Tan, and it's about a company-sized unit of Australians and New Zealanders, which is about 100 men, was broken into three platoons of about 30 each, and how it's this movie, and there's one I mentioned before called Siege of Jadoville about an Irish contingent Mm -hmm. that was working for the United Nations. There's a pretty new one about a unit in Afghanistan called the Outpost. All of these things have something in common. And what I found was it's all about how screwed up the top echelon of leadership was and the lack of leadership and the lack of initiative and the lack of supporting those troops down on the ground level. And you realize that the survival of each one of these units in all three of those movies, and it was about survival, came down to the relationship between the senior non-coms and the officers at that ground level. And those were the people who were really showing leadership and what it meant to be a leader, what it meant to be a hero. With that, let us move on to this or that. Ba-boom. Okay. I think I had you ask the last two times. I'll ask this time. Okay. Dan, I got three Sigmar ones. One sports one, and one about the show. Oh, okay. Snakes or elves, in terms of if you had to put together a daughter's army in the modern era, the third book, snakes or elves? Oh, elves. Yeah? Yeah. Big blocks of, like, witches and sisters. Mm -hmm. I'd love that. All right. Canaries. I'd have some canaries, yeah, for sure. What's a... Oh, that's a hard question. I think there are enough buffs... I still love Kalebron, and as you mentioned before, I got pretty decent at using it, so at least I'd be familiar with how to use it appropriately and correctly. Mm -hmm. That would be my first call, I think. Then the other one that I know a lot of people probably aren't hot on, but the Kraith, I think, is really would be a strong second for me. Okay. To get that second shot at just beating the whatever out of your opponent. That would be really powerful, especially if I'm taking bricks of large amounts of troops. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to pretend that you don't have a Night Haunt army right now. Okay. You need to, I know it's That's difficult. Di- that I know, is difficult. Yeah. I know it's <laughs> difficult for you to imagine. We're resetting you on the competitive path, and you have to pick between two armies that we know that you like. You know, mm-hmm. you, you play Daughters, and you have been playing Night Haunt. If you didn't have the, you know, the sunk cost of 120 chain rafts and 60 Grimgas <laughs> and 40 Blade Geists yeah, and... Course. 40 Herodins or whatever. If you were to start over today for third edition, obviously next handbook notwithstanding, which of these two books would you be picking up? Because obviously these are two books that are close to your heart. I still think, though, if I had to make it, I would go with Ghosts. Okay. Not because of the rules changes. I just love the aesthetic. I love the story. I love the mechanics of the of current the army, book. you know, with the, the... And it doesn't matter that Ethereal has these extra things now. It's just the rule itself is so cool. It is so unique. It truly is its own army. Yes, and I, I love that about it. 
I mean, and I stuck with it when it was a mediocre army, you know? Mediocre being generous. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so I think I have a real fondness for what it is. Okay. Yeah. Sports question, Dan. We're approaching the midway point of the baseball season. Mm-hmm. Baseball is your sport. Mm-hmm. Who is going to be in the World Series? Oh, jeez. Cindy, you can answer the question if you'd like. There's so many teams that are right up there hitting just around 600. Like Mm -hmm. a bunch of teams that are right around 600 plus or minus. I think it's really hard to tell this early because... Still going to be the trade deadline and that's going to decide the sellers and the buyers. And you still have the last six weeks of injuries. Always, every year is a determinant. You get those... The the team that's in first or second place, all of a sudden you get that key injury, you're done. But, But with what you've seen so far... yes. Who are the two teams that you're picking to be playing in late October, early November? Because Atlanta just isn't that good. I mean, because you ask me this question every time a season kicks off. And I've not seen any weeks of anything, right? It's just like, you know, we're going to roll around to the first show in September and you go, Brendan, who's in the final four for college football? And I'm going to go, Dan, Uh, I have been studying their summer camps. I saw their spring ball game. Yankees on the American side. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Fair enough. Last question. Dan, this one's going to be a tougher one. What was your favorite episode of Cubic Shenanigans? Oh, God. Brendan, there's so many. Well, there's 98 before this one. Oh, God. I have no freaking clue, man. Is there a particular battle tome that you felt like we did really well or a guest show that we had that you think that Um, we did Maybe there's one in the middle of COVID that you're particularly proud of for the degree of difficulty that we tried to execute on. Because, like, I'm quite fond of the Art of War episode that yes, we did. Yes, yes. That would be one of my choices, I think, because we put in a lot of work on that. I think people got a lot out of it. God, Brendan, I'd have to look through them. Just don't know. He stumped me twice. Okay. Well, there's your homework is okay. for episode 100. That could be one of the questions, the Q&As. Sure. Dan, which is your favorite episode? And so I will look through them and I will see. Okay. So I've got four Sigmar questions. Okay. But I'm going to start with my non-Sigmar question. Okay. Brendan, what's your favorite episode? (laughs) (laughs) You told me already. If you had equal access to hiking trails and biking trails, Mm. which would you spend more time doing? Hiking or biking? Probably hiking. I have a bike that I've used probably three times since I've purchased it. Okay. Which was like six years ago. Yeah, and they were all used like in very quick succession to when I bought it. It was just before I moved and I was living in the city. So there was maybe a a higher value to using a bicycle than out in the suburbs. Sigmar questions. Mm -hmm. From what little you know about the new handbook. Sure. Zombies or chain rasps? Oh, boy. So this is an excellent question because we know that there is a battalion that lets you count as three times the number of models. Chainrass obviously have a five up, ignore, rend. So any extra damage that they're going to be taking in, there's a chance that they're going to ignore it. But also 120 zombies counts as 360 models. That is correct. Whereas you are going to cap out at 60 Chainrass. That is correct. You know, across the two With units. With the six up, possible five up. Yeah, mm. or five up, five up, six five up. up. Yeah, five up, six five up, up, five up. up. Versus a, a no up, six up. I'll take my zombies. Okay, fair enough. Bodies, I mean, twice the number of bodies, yeah. 360 models worth of scoring is yeah. going to be tough to move. I was thinking about that, doing the so math. Dumb. It's really bad. Okay, so are you going to take an iron scale or a Medusa? Probably the iron scale, if for nothing else other than the fire and forget 
command ability where you can give run and charge to your combat snakes. Sure, fair. You don't need to do it turn one, but you can hold them back until the right turn where you can really make your opponent pay in a spot that they are really not hopeful for that to happen. So Okay. Sisters or witches? That's a good question. Not that your other questions weren't good. They both take the buffs pretty good. The benefit being a lot of things having had to have charged, you know, I think would kind of immediately push me towards the witches. But the high gladiatrix and the combination of Kraith with a bunch of sisters. Mm -hmm. I think sisters, if for no reason other than that six-inch pylon is brutal. So good. Oh, yeah. Extends that range, man. That danger zone just gets bigger. Mm-hmm. Bloodrack Shrine or a cauldron? Probably the cauldron. The Bloodrack Shrine has some interesting buff debuffs where that are mostly Malusi based. You know, the damage that you know you can do from like the stare and, and the aura mm-hmm. are nice, but enemy units within seven on a two up they take D three. Cool. The stare is five up mortal wound for each model in a unit, which is good, right? You know, we're just talking about 120 zombies, you know, so that's, it's nothing to laugh at, but the cauldron adding plus one to save and having a fully charged avatar on the top of it, pretty good. Yeah, I agree. So, all right. There is something going on around here. Something you may not even know about. So no Sunday announcements because it's Thursday. It is Thursday. (laughs) All Um, right. The rare after work episode that we have to do. No Sunday announcements, but what we want to do is we had talked and we continue to talk about our Q&A section we're going to do in this part of the show, starting with episode 101. So I did get a question from someone by Gmail, by the way, Mr. Dan doesn't know tech. Yeah, the carrier pigeons haven't arrived yet. <laughs> I got a question from the young gentleman that I played with Youngbloods sure. at Depticon, Ellis. And he asked a simple question. He said, mm-hmm. what do you think is the best hero in Sigma right now? Mm. So, Brendan, what do you think? I like that it's open-ended because the question is either best from a competitive standpoint or best from a lore perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think I've picked out... Two separate answers. So best from the lore perspective, I think, is Archeon. And the reason, because he does a cool thing. He's got a very cool model, and he can be very impactful to the game. Just cool. He's very important in a narrative setting, Mm -hmm. which is great. Mm -hmm. You you can't tell the story of the game of Age of Sigmar without talking about Archeon. You can't do it. It's not possible. Best in terms of the actual game is quite a bit tougher because you have so many different heroes that affect these different armies in different ways. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those questions where how do you pick? But right now, you cannot play the competitive game of Age of Sigmar without answering the question of how do you deal with Bellacor? Mm -hmm. And so Bellacor is my vote for best hero from a competitive perspective. Okay. He fits underneath the allies cap and can be allied into basically anything. So okay. he is a threat in almost every kind of chaos army that you could consider taking. That's the answer to the question, Ellis. Thanks for sending in, buddy. So Let's- remember to send in your questions to the show. Episode 100, Brendan at hobby underscore bear on tweet tweets and at cubic shenanigans at gmail. 
just get them in. And, we, and make sure to scream. send Doug comments to his YouTube channel asking him how the cube is. Because <laughs> he's still in there. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to figure out a way on how you get out of the cube. Buddy, we're not going to let that one go for a little while. And again, I know you're laughing. You said you were. All, Got a lot of positive comments stuff. around the cube. Yeah, all, all good stuff. <laughs> Let's talk briefly talk about our plans for the next four to five episodes. Mm-hmm. So uh, the next episode in a couple weeks. Episode 100. Is one. We made it. Wow. Well, it's 100 episodes for you. I'm like Uh, six or seven episodes behind. It's episode 100 for you, too. This is like competing religious calendars. (laughs) That's true, yeah. We both get to the same place. After that, we are going to, kind of in the middle of July, then go over the GHB. We're going to have our friend Tyler Emerson. At least that's the plan. As is tradition. Like for three or four years now, we've been doing this with him, which is awesome. We are then going to do Trees and Rats. Not in the same show. Right. No, no. I I promise. No, no. We're just going to figure out I don't know, we'll end up rolling coin dice flip, or something. Yeah. yeah, coin flip to figure out. But that will be the next two after that. So that takes us through kind of mid-August, really, if we're going every two weeks. And hopefully by then, there's some more battle tomes that are out that we're going to be talking about because we already know that there's more coming down the pipe. and. Mm-hmm. We may be talking some heresy stuff, too, because we're both going to be at least looking at it. Yep. And that, uh, I caved. I bought an Age yeah. of Darkness box. Yeah, we're both there. A lot of my models probably aren't going to have heads or shoulder pads on them as I wait for my faction heads and shoulder pad kits to come right. out. Good stuff. But yes. All right, so that's the plan. Thank you for joining us, listeners. Yeah, absolutely. And Brendan, thank you, as always, for being my partner in crime. I truly appreciate your help and your being a part of this crazy journey. So thank you, buddy. And uh, yes, listeners, as Brendan said, thank you as always. You are the reason we've gotten to episode 100 and we've grown. Well, really, it's you that's gotten us here to episode 100. (laughs) You're the one that edits the show and keeps the website Uh, alive. So making it happen. But thank you all. And you all take care, stay safe, and don't forget shenanigans because the best part of life is always being up to something. Okay. (laughs) Bye. Oh, man, I knew I'd catch you off with that. This is...